and welcome to the January 2020 edition of HCI at UCD, a monthly podcast with our seminar series guests. I'm Justin Edwards, a PhD student here at UCD, and today I'm joined by Brendan Spillane, a PhD candidate at Trinity College Dublin and my colleague within the ADAPT Center. Thank you for joining me today, Brendan. Thanks for having me. Um, Good to be here. So your talk today in our seminar series was about people's perception of bias in news media, which is, of course, an extremely timely topic. You've looked at different ways that design and aesthetic impact people's perception of bias. Uh, How does that work? How do people end up interpreting bias from presentation rather than like the content itself? Um, Okay, big question. So (laughs) uh, I think the easiest way to describe this is that... um, there are certain indicators that give people confidence uh, in a message before they actually consume the message. So the most obvious thing is, you know, a white coat and stethoscope or somebody wearing a finely cut suit or somebody who has indicators that they are a professional in their domain. So if somebody looks like a mechanic tells you how to fix your car, you're going to believe them rather than somebody else. So when we're consuming information online, there are indicators in the aesthetic that will give us impression of the organization behind us that will give us confidence in us. So uh, Sunder uh, called these uh, visual cues, which give an indication of the underlying technologies. And the underlying technologies, if they're sufficiently complex enough, are only implemented by somebody who's got technical skills or organization who's got a high enough budget with technical skills we tend to believe their message more often. It can also be just, well, if there's little mistakes in this, people tend to not believe the message. So I speak about the word believe there because credibility is commonly uh, described as believe or defined as believability. So, and bias is one dimension of credibility. So my work kind of comes in underneath that. Um, so we already know that there are visual indicators that impact people's perception of credibility. What I did was try to find out if there's visual indicators which impact bias which is our dimension of credibility. And we're able to show us characteristics of a website, sort of whether it's professional or something like that, um, has, uh, is able to uh, reduce or increase somebody's perception. Right, uh, I, I think I, I get how it works certainly with uh, your example of like people in different professions, if they look like the profession um, that working, what kind of visual indicators have you kind of looked at in, in news media that kind of give a good or bad impression? So we haven't delved down too much into individual news indicators. We were just essentially trying to prove that it does happen. Um, or we're trying to find out whether or not it does happen. And now that we have, we're going to look more at individual right. indicators. There are some indicators that we know. So uh, one I was speaking about previously is numbers in the text. Hmm. That has a, if there is a communication or a message which has likely to have something got to do with numbers. So if we talk about um, poll statistics for an election or something like that, or we talk about uh, economic news or financial news, people like to see that the, that the content contains numbers because we have a higher trust in those things because they can be actually factually checked. This here is higher than last month, which was higher than the month previous, but it's not as high as last year. That's something that you can check and then adds credibility to the organization behind us. There are other things such as whether or not they're inline links in the actual text. They add credibility as well, especially when you actually provide additional sources. Um, so this is called information sent, uh, and it's something which we assess visually. We don't necessarily, we don't go check those links often, 
sometimes they're in a sort of a box to the side of the article essentially saying more on this topic but we trust an organization which has given us more information we um also trust organizations that, uh, we also trust information if it contains some visual graphics as well a bit more explaining complex things especially if something as simple as maps or diagrams um to explain a, a complex uh, construct to explain a complex situation or construct or something that is happening over time um, or has multiple agencies or government involved in us. So these things all take time and effort to produce um, and they are difficult and uh, expensive as well. So if we see that information in messages, it's probably a kind of a cause and effect that the messages which we thought were most credible in the past had these things, which then makes us think these are more credible, right. which then has it again. Um, that said, that sort of stuff can now be faked as well. There's plenty yeah. of crap news um, or crap information out there which has these indicators too. Sure. Right. So, I mean, that's a, that's quite a lot of things about the, the way the news is presented that can lead to different uh, perceptions of bias. Um, is there also, I, I don't know, the extent to which your works uh, looked into this, but um, I wonder if there's also kind of characteristics of the individual consuming the news or of the of the news user or news uh, yeah the news consumer that might uh, impact we've done bias. a little bit of work on this um, as computer scientists looking into sort of journalism I was kind or to news I was kind of already on a um, venture close enough to the edge that uh, people didn't really want me looking into too much into psychology as well um, but I would have some knowledge of individual consumer biases, even though that wasn't an area that I was particularly focusing on in my study. I was looking at uh, biases which influence the production of news and bias which influence the dissemination of news. Right. But there are uh, obviously um, some of them. So I mean, just a conservative liberal bias we have. There's age biases as well. As people tend to get older, they tend to get more conservative. Younger people tend to be more liberal as well. The indicators for that aren't any secret is well explored where it tends to be that if you are younger you don't have as much income property family uh, or you tend not to have them. but when you're older you have these things so there's more to risk yeah. which then means that you tend to vote just more conservative so we were able to show that that was true surprisingly enough <laughs> uh, again like everybody else has shown that's true when we done indicators, uh, when we looked at bias and some things, we also asked people uh, based upon their age, their professionalism, etc., and that information once again proved true. I think it's an interesting area to look at in the future. Um, I think I'd need some a partner with somebody with serious uh, credentials or experience in psychology as well, yeah. uh, because I there's so much stuff there that I wouldn't. It would. I think I would probably um, embarrass myself. Uh, quite publicly if I try to start into this. Uh, well, very fair to, to realize which areas of collaboration would be needed for that work. Um, so I think perceptions of bias can be can be good or bad with uh, a, when you're consuming news that, I mean, healthy skepticism can keep people kind of questioning the sources they're getting their news from. Um, but on the other end of that, if you're, you know, distrustful of everything, that if you, if that bias, if you perceive bias so strongly that that, that nothing has credibility, um, then that's, that's a problem too. That's kind of an anti-government bias that people tend to have and they see that the news media as one arm of the government attempting to control them or the information, I guess. That's, those individuals tend to source their news from independent or alternative news sources, which they consider 
because they have a similar position to those individuals, funnily enough, but they can't see us as being anti-structure, uh, anti-society, okay. looking for something different. It's just another side of the right. faster construct there. But I mean, it's everybody does that. You know, the people tend to look for news which they agree with, and they tend to read news which they agree with. Um, rarely, um, or even sometimes, or sometimes even frequently for indivi- some individuals, do they look at the news which they don't. Right. So there are those individuals which claim that they see bias and everything, um, and do seek out other news onto us, but it's just it's the news in other formats. It might not be produced by the BBC, yeah. Um, but news is essentially inf- just information that is of interest to one person. That's it. So when we talk about have you got any news, we're not talking about news that's going on in Syria or Russia. We're talking about what's going on with you. Like it's a, it's kind of an introduction that we have. But when you look, seek serious news, you go to whatever organization is your preferred. These people are doing the same, but just using a different organization. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, I, now I'm starting to think, I wonder if those things could be squared, that if, if someone could devise, like, the the news media source that kind of, it, it might echo what people who are distrustful of uh, the, the big organizations would yeah. like, but then also has these visual indicators of, you know, something that's verifiable and something that took a lot of effort to make mm-hmm. that, like... It tends to be the people who, see, who are suspicious about big governments, uh, a strong suspicion of media bias, it wouldn't matter if you're the Pope in front of them saying mass, they still wouldn't believe they're a Catholic. Right. Like they will distrust the study. They'll distrust the organization which validates us. They'll distrust the data. They'll say they're part of the system. I they see, will yeah. find some reason to distrust us. Um, yeah, it's sometimes it, it's unfortunate, but sometimes it's, how do I, how do I explain this? They're, 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 these are, they're not very common to have these kind of individuals. Sure, uh, sure. That, that must be said as well. And they can be uh, in very certain sectors. But it's... it's. I don't think it's something that you can accommodate in yeah. all this mainstream yeah. media. If someone's looking for bias, they can find it if, yeah. they're, if they're hell-bent on finding it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so uh, kind of looking at a, a very different uh, side of your work, um, Another strand of your research has been the Adele Project. That's where our work overlaps. And I know you're interested in how uh, conversational agents can benefit those in need of care, uh, including elderly people. So how do perceptions of bias relate to perceptions of trustworthiness that people might have for something like that, for something like a conversational agent or for a, uh, something that, uh like a medium like that rather than a, a news platform what's sprung to mind when you answer that question is the amount of hollywood movies which i've seen where the hero has an innate distrust of the droid and robots and i suppose that's a bias i mean i think in the most recent star wars uh, sorry the mandalorian yeah. he had just a distrust for uh you know droids and that's been copied in a number of things what's that um irobot had something uh, similar yeah, yeah. as well this seems to be a very standard thing so while it's not something that's a uh that was the experience with yes I think you know this is definitely going to be a problem for the future if we believe Hollywood um, on bias for care there's not a huge link where there is a huge link is that I study news and I'd happen to I, I study news with a focus yeah. on bias and credibility dialogue agents in, that are going to aid uh, elderly people or those otherwise needing care uh, in their homes or workplace or just in interacting yeah. with society 
one of the underappreciated but we're slowly starting to appreciate this is that they need company they need conversation right. they need social dialogue and when two people get together in any context they tend to be just expressing conveying information to each other um, I tell a funny story you tell a funny story I tell a story about what ha- happens to me where you know my laptop breaks or I had a terrible way of getting here in the bus or something like that and then you tell a similar story and we kind of make social connections over these yeah. things but it's just essentially news yeah Sometimes we talk about the day's events, what's going on in America, what's going on in Irish politics, what's going on in everything else, but it's also another version of news. So I'm interested in these things because dialogue agents at some point in the future are going to have to be able to converse on the day's events of whatever of importance yeah. that is to individual. That might be what's going on in the local area, what was the local GAA loss of results. It might be, if the person's interested in, what's going on in the South China Sea based upon submarine activity between the Philippines and Japan or something like this. So agents need to have the ability to be able to source this information, this news, and then converse on this topic with the individual. And this is, goes back to those, um, a few conferences looking into this. So, you know, the search queries aren't really thought of as a single search query anymore. People are continuously refining their search query. Right. Okay. Um, because you don't know really what you're looking for until you sort of get into that area. But conversation is kind of like that as well. I want you to tell me what's going on that's important. And as if you're the agent and you start talking to me, then I'll start refining my query. Tell me more about that. Or what's going on this? Or is there a history of that? Or has this happened before? Yeah. So I, I see it as that kind of thing where it's unstructured information, but which information which is um, in known locations. Yeah, yeah. Such as, you know, you can set up your predefined place that you want to get your news from, like the Reuters, BBC, etc., right. or, or whatever's your preferred team. But then these agents are going to be able to have to ingest that information and then be able to talk to your business. Yeah. Right. That yeah. It's not just that they have to deliver the information, but they yeah. have to give. Yeah. It's, it's got to be sort of conversational in some way to actually. Be, at the moment, people don't really enjoy talking to agents. Sure. Because they haven't mastered sort of a natural kind of dialogue. Yeah, and it's just command and response. Yes. And people are working on fifty facets of this right now. You know, whether it's a, the voice part of us, or trying to add in humor to us, or trying to add in sort of natural vocal ticks, or any one of fifty yeah. things, and no one thing is going to solve us. But one of the things that I think will help to solve this is one part of like another uh, hundred solutions is having the ability to actually be able to converse on topics yeah. that are related to today's events. So yeah. that's that's how it is. Maybe I might do some studies on bias relating to <laughs> agents at some point in the future. Yeah. But at the moment, it's more it's uh, the connection is more about the news. Yeah, they have to they have to get there at all to be yes, able to look I'm, at it in that way. I, I'm not doing the, I'm not doing any work on that anytime soon. Put it this way. Fair enough. Um, so if you're designing for perception of bias for a news website, that's pretty different from designing for what a, uh, what a conversation looks like or for what, Very. what indicators of bias might lurk in conversation. I wonder if those sorts of indicators of bias are like translatable over to conversation or radio, uh, studies oh, yeah. on bias in radio, because at the moment I don't think we're going to have any sort of functional avatar that going to use I, I kind of always think of these robots as a the, the voice in the sky kind of yeah. thing I'm not sure the correct term for that is rather than the so the disembodied voice rather than the embodied voice yeah. so it's the characteristics of tone prosody cadence um, adding things such as sarcasm disbelief yeah. indicators all of that that's where you there will be a crossover between uh, 
how these agents convey the news and whether or not they are can or are capable of biasing news. Right, okay. So if we think about the, I mean, this is just to kind of give an example to the listeners. If we think about the agents that's from films that are obviously light years ahead of any sort of technology that we have yes. right now, and maybe we'll never get to that. Recently, they've a lot of times they've tried to give them some sort of form of attitude and personality. Right. And sometimes when they're talking to the person, they use that attitude and personality to make funny comments or snarky comments or disbelief comments, mm-hmm. sort of things like that so to their agent. That's the kind of thing that you then use as bias news. Because bias is essentially just an imbalance. So if, if news isn't um, factual, if we're not just like, yeah. here are the six facts, this happened on this day, this person died or killed a certain person, that's it. Any information past that could add bias. All right. So sometimes you've got to, you're doing a fine line between explaining what happens and then adding your own personal version to it. Right. At least in a composed piece of text that goes into a newspaper, print, or online, they tend to go through multiple checks and balances with editors, copy editors, etc. And they are a single defined piece of text referenceable, which can then be checked and ultimately is subject to sanction. So maybe the journalist could get in trouble or the editor could get in trouble or it could go to a court of law who is libelous or something like this. So there's, they aren't interested in trying to add biases. But if you're talking about an agent which is capable of composing information on the fly, which a huge amount of research right now is being done into trying to add some sort of personality to these agents. And this information now would not be referenceable or checkable or recomposable because yeah. if they've got a constant updating model which is based on what they have then it's you it would only compose something different but what it's just ingested again sure so you would have to make sure that i mean all, all the stuff that's going on right now with the sort of black box that is machine learning yeah. and uh, i think agents are going to be using that in the future you know, there might be rule systems included in this they there is a concern then that these agents when they're learning off the individual or from pre-selected commands could end up biasing news by selecting certain things, relying more heavily on individual facts, or conveying news which they, I'm going to use the term, disagreed with yeah. in a less serious tone so that the person could think that it was more uh, less believable. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's it's just those same sort of indicators that exist already and then just applying them to that. Yeah, uh, yeah kind of sticking with this... Uh, somewhat dystopian theme we yeah. emerged on fast forward it's uh, now uh, 2642 well i always do like to ask uh, a bit of a fun silly question to my guests here and um i i had i had you in mind when i thought of this question i i didn't know we would emerge in dystopia but i'm glad we did so, already halfway there we just yeah, so let's let's pretend tomorrow you uh you awaken and you are named dictator of all of europe and you want to uh, make your state-controlled news website uh, where everyone will be getting their news about you and about your your plans. Uh, what What's your news website going to look like? And I, I think to make this not like an evil question, like how do we use HCI for evil, maybe this is uh, what sort of things should maybe, can maybe people notice uh, if, if somebody is trying to show them certain things in certain ways. In this situation, I'm not a benevolent dictator, I'm an evil dictator. Right? Sure, yes. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to brand it just evil corp. I mean, okay. you may as well yeah. just go all out. I'm definitely going to look like a 
uh, and acts like is it the uh, former bad guy from like the 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 movies with the little yellow oats despicable me with the uh, oh yeah 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 I, i'm gonna be that sort of like evil guy so the news is i know the news website is going to be an important way of conveying whatever i want my uh minions and uh members of uh, society to, 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 to uh listen to yeah um I'm not sure what it's going to look like, but I do know this much. It's definitely going to monitor people. Okay, yeah. yeah that's the more important part, because you can't have anybody having independent thoughts in this sort of dystopian universe. Right, okay. This has to be, you know, almost a test of of their... Yeah, so that's it. It's going to be interactive. It's going to test the people to make sure that they're, you know, obeying properly every day. Okay, yeah. Constantly test, constantly yeah. display their score against each other's scores, that yeah. sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, update their content based on how well they obey or disobey. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're going to be dystopian, future horrible dictator, go all out. Yeah, I I like it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the way to go. Uh, yeah. So yeah, mo- websites that monitor people more more closely than they even do today, which is close <laughs> is enough, there, I think, yeah. in, in most people's opinion. Right. Okay. Yeah. So for. For the listener who doesn't want to live in a malevolent uh, dystopian future, keep an eye out for those sorts of sites that monitor you in any way and those sorts of organizations that hope to monitor you. If they want to uh, try and avoid that sort of horrible dystopian future, read news from multiple sources. Yeah. And they should, you know, support press freedom and make sure that there is a broad and independent press in wherever they are or even within sectors. So... If they are working in, from agriculture to construction, they're not just reliant upon one trade journal or individual column, this sort of stuff. Because um, I think the, my, my most famous quote, uh, quote and bias, or not mine, but the most, the best uh, terminus, it's um, from two economists from New York, from uh, Harvard, and they essentially demonstrate this. If you want to have unbiased news, it's only in the aggregates. Hmm. Like you have to get bits from everywhere. Yeah. And that's something which I completely agree with. Um, but if you end up in situations where you know one of the first things dictatorships press down on is press yeah. freedom yeah I mean having uh, just a single stream of news yeah. Yeah. There's, there's pretty much a playbook on how to like get yourself to be a dictator and you know press freedom then you start to you know I mean you're locking people up at the same time but you make sure you have, certain people can't leave the country make sure other people can't get into the country you start blaming somebody else make sure it's a de- preferably a different country yeah. Um, you want to definitely have somebody else that you can blame all your troubles on. Um, but press freedom is right there. So I find it interesting looking at the press freedom indexes around the world. Sure, yeah. And sort of, you know, Ireland, we're looking up, we do quite well. There's certainly ways that we could improve. Um, I think there's issues with our current law on liability, and I think there's issues with the uh, certain individuals owning too much of the right. Irish news. Yeah. Um, I would certainly like to see a cap on DAS and uh, more funding going into news and media and independent uh, local newspapers because that's 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 important if you keep the if you keep the local newspaper economy strong uh, that kind of builds up the national because they know that they yeah. have to be so much better than these or people will just buy the local paper anyway and um, so you build up the local press and uh, make sure there's plenty of jobs in that so we in Ireland have a broadcasting charge uh, TV license and yeah. parts that apparently go to their groups media I'd increase that increase bits that go to their media I'd make it I'd get, I would change the format of the current TV license which is horseshoes um, can I say horseshoes oh yeah wonderful uh, it's uh, 
gold standard unadulterated horseshit the way it's currently done I mean I think it's 14 or 15 percent of people are not paying yeah um, simply because they don't see any value on us put the charge on the device sure it's a simple thing yeah and then everybody pays us and you know you get 14 percent more revenue to us the national broadcaster does need reform as well but I would give a bigger chunk of the money to other local yeah. news agencies um, of any type whether or not they were online print or anything else and I think that would help the national uh, newspapers and keep us away from that horrendous dystopian future universe yeah. of with me and my all monitoring websites to <laughs> check what you're doing well I'm glad uh, I'm glad the dystopian question could get us on kind of a, a broad range of the, the social implications of news I really appreciate the work that you're doing and I'm, I'm really kind of interested in everything uh, anyone who studies the way news is presented uh, how that works in the modern era so Thank you again for joining us for today's seminar talk and for today's podcast. Thank you very much. The HCI at UCD podcast is available at hci.ucd.ie, where you can also find our guests' seminar presentation slides and more information about the UCD HCI community. You can also find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow HCI underscore UCD on Twitter to keep up with our research group. Our theme music is Robot Park by Poddington Bear.